What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another podcast episode here on the Big Blue in the Bronx YouTube channel. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops video drops. If you are listening on a different podcast platform, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and some of the other platforms you could definitely hear this podcast on. I'm very excited. I mean... You know, there were mixed results coming from practice this week. But to hear that the starters are playing minimum of a half against the Patriots, that's almost real football. Um, Obviously, it's still preseason. There's going to be roster bubble guys going out there and trying to make a name for themselves, not just for the Giants' sake, but for across the league. So, you know, it's going to be a fun game on Sunday, you know, whether we lose, we win, whatever, um, I just want to see improvement out of this team week by week, and I know last year, you know, 6-10, and ten, uh, this is the first year we're having preseason with Joe Judge and some of the other coaches on the staff, so, you know, we're already two weeks, three weeks in, and got the game on Sunday, it's been an interesting ride so far, uh, we've lost two games, we haven't won any, but you know what? If you can save those wins for the regular season, even though it sounds really stupid, I'm down for that. And if you can save some players for the regular season, some of the injured guys, I don't mind that at all. But here's how we're going to do today. We're going to go into practice notes because there was a joint practice this week, actually two of them, between the Patriots and the Giants in Foxborough and then uh, there was a practice on Friday as well, but not much came out of that one. Training camp news, some recent training camp news regarding injuries and stuff like that. Uh, players to look out for for the New York Giants. Players who need to show out and possibly try to make a roster spot. Players to look out for New England. You know, some guys have stepped up for them. Some guys really haven't done much for them. We'll talk about that. And then what to keep an eye on. I'm doing five for the offense and five for the defense. So obviously, very loaded podcast here on the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Uh, just as a note, as always, Boys in the Big Apple, 8, 10 p.m. every Monday. Tune in to our podcast live stream on YouTube. Uh, more content coming for you guys, Yankees, Giants, stuff like that. So on August 25th, which was the Wednesday practice, a uh, couple of takeaways here. I'll discuss them and then we'll go into the 26th, which was Thursday. So the Giants and Patriots got into a fight. It was the Giants' D-line. The Patriots' O-line got into a scrum. Dexter Lawrence was apparently involved. And the Patriots and the Giants did something alike. They sent their players running for a lap. Now, we know Bill Belichick is a hard coach. He's kind of a dick, let's be honest. But... He's smart, and he knows how to play his cards when it comes to his football team. And that's a, that's a funny thing, honestly. Like, it's conditioning. You know, some stuff is not meant for punishment. Sometimes it's meant for just conditioning and exercise and stuff like that. But um, I, thought it was, I thought it was interesting that uh, the Patriots were sent running for a lap. But I guess because the joint practices, you know, um, I think they did conditioning with the Giants and Browns practice. They didn't necessarily do running a lap, but they did some sort of conditioning when that fight happened with uh, Sterling Shepard and Troy Hill and some of the other guys. Um, but one of the most important takeaways for the Patriots side of this is Mac Jones had a absolute field day. Now, obviously, one of the reporters messed it up a little bit. He said that there was like a 35-play drive. It was not. It was a 21-play drive. And that's a long drive. You know, we were not given necessarily the most specific details. Um, possibly penalties, possibly short yardage plays. There could be a lot of things that went into that drive that we may not know because we were not there. I mean, I know some Giants fans and content creators were there. Not too many, though, because um, that's all the way in Foxborough. That is a hike from New Jersey, New York City. Um, Lorenzo Carter got frustrated because the refs did not blow the whistle on multiple plays to call it dead. 
this is the problem uh, with joint practices. And I know a lot of people out there, oh, well, get rid of the preseason, uh, get joint practices, mandatory, blah, 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 blah. This is the problem with joint practices and just practices in general. The quarterbacks, they're not getting hit. The running backs, they're not getting hit. Wide receivers, not getting tackled. You know? And if the quarterbacks are not getting hit, and I'm not saying they should get hit in practice or this or that or the other thing, but if they're not getting hit in practice, A, what does that teach the quarterback? B, what does that teach the offensive lineman? What does that teach the D lineman? So, you know, for the people, and listen, they can have their opinion, but you have to support it with facts and put evidence behind your opinion, of course. But for the people that just say, oh, you know, joint practices, mandatory, no preseason games, how's your quarterback going to learn? How is your offensive line going to learn? They're not. How are the running backs going to learn? I mean, I know Joe Judge said something about, you know, getting Saquon Barkley into contact and getting hit in drills. Obviously, he will not be playing Sunday against the Patriots, but I agree with him there. He needs to get hit a little bit before he goes into the Broncos game if he does play, which God willingly he will. We can't just, you know, do, oh, well, two hand touch in practice and then the game it's tackle. No. Why don't just make the game two-hand touch then? This is like the Pro Bowl. It's like a Pro Bowl atmosphere, unfortunately, for joint practices. But once again, quarterbacks can't be hit. The NFL, PA, and the NFL have the regulations and stuff like that. Uh, Jabril Peppers and Corey Clement spent some time with the trainers due to dehydration. It was hot as hell in Foxborough, and it is hot as hell here. But, um, you know, obviously for the players' sake, you don't want to get them dehydrated and stuff like that. Um, Jabril Peppers and Corey Clement, after their work with the trainers, they came back out. They were fine. Stuff like that. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Ellerson Smith, John Ross, and Kadarius Toney were working with the trainers. Aziz Ojal already had his workload managed. Um, you know, Ojalari obviously, I think, is, you know, coming off a small injury, not something big like Lorenzo Carter is. But... You know, obviously, you don't want to see anyone injured on your team, but uh, there's going to be a lot of questions going into week one. Who's going to be ready? Who's going to be put on IR? Who's going on PUP? Stuff like that. So uh, within the next week, I think we'll have our questions answered, especially on Monday and Tuesday, because those are the two days for the roster cutdowns. Uh, Jones started out 21 of 23 with two touchdowns. This is Mac Jones. This isn't Daniel Jones. Uh, his streak ran to 18 completed passes in a row. That is very impressive. You know, we could say it's practice, there's no hitting, stuff like that. Obviously, you got to take that into account. But that's very impressive for Mac Jones. I mean, you know, there were actually rumors uh, before the draft. Oh, Bill Belichick, because of his look, he doesn't want Mac Jones as the 15th overall pick or whatever they picked him with. But uh, he went to the... Patriots that was just obviously a smokescreen and with Cam Newton being out that day he showed out he showed out and maybe now with the situation and Cam will probably play on Sunday maybe Mac Jones is going to be quarterback one we don't know uh, we're not in the Patriots locker room Bill Belichick really doesn't give a lot of answers at the press conferences but that is something to keep in mind um, Nate Solder, he got left tackle and right tackle reps. I'm very proud of him, honestly. Um, I know I was very hard on him, much like content creators and Giants fans coming into training camp because, well, he has not played in a year and a half. He really hasn't been in football shape. From what we've been hearing from the media, and that's obviously the bridge from the players to the fans, Nate Solder has done well in those reps. And shout-outs to the Talking Giants crew. They said he looked really good on one-on-ones and in the 11-on-11 drills, taking left tackle and right tackle reps, which honestly puts into question 
if he's going to start week one at right tackle. I think there's a definite chance now because Matt Parrott, he's been struggling a little bit in camp, especially in the joint practices. He struggled against really second-team edge rushers for the Browns. He struggled against Josh Uchey. Uh, there was another edge rusher that probably beat him. I'm forgetting the name if there was one. But there's going to be more than Josh Uche in the game. There's going to be Matt Judon, Chase Winovich, a couple other guys on that defensive line rushing the passer. And blitzes as well. you got to know how to handle blitzes and stunts. Um, so obviously, once again, we got to keep out for that battle going into Sunday, which is once again a sneak peek of what players you know we're keeping an eye on and what players you know need to show out and what to keep an eye on obviously that's all for mostly the end of the podcast Kenny Wiggins and Ted Larson spent time at first team left guard it is really interesting and we're not going to get a definite answer once again until cut downs because there's a lot of things that happen in the preseason that seem like oh well this guy's going to make the roster and then he gets cut and we are like how did he get cut Kenny Wiggins, in my opinion, has been favored by this coaching staff a little bit. That's why he's getting the left guard reps with the first team. You know, he did that in week one against the Jets. He's been that left guard for the first team primarily while Shane Lemieux has been out. Another one we hope for who is ready for week one. Another one we hope for, you know, who isn't injured long term because the Giants and us Giants fans want him as our long-term solution at left guard and also the fact that he has woes in pass protection and we would like to see has he fixed those woes has he not what does he need to improve on stuff like that um ted larson he's been in this league since 2010 i want to say uh with the bucks the bears the dolphins a couple of other teams but um it'd be really interesting in my opinion to see if he makes this roster now we don't know if he'll start at left guard but also, as well, you know, we do need like one or two backup offensive guards. We already have Jonathan Harrison, who probably will make this roster, in my opinion. Hint, hint. And also, you got Nate Solder. So that's like two more, three more positions you could probably fill in at the offensive line. So we'll see who gets the most first team reps on Sunday. I think it's going to be Kenny Wiggins. They could split it, they could do half Wiggins, half Larson. We'll see what happens. Uh, Fede Odenigbo forced some pressure on Mac Jones. Obviously, forcing pressure on a rookie quarterback is very important for the Giants or any team facing a rookie quarterback to kind of, you know, have them crack under pressure. Mac Jones didn't really do that on day one. He did that more on day two. But uh, as far as Odenigbo goes, he really hasn't done anything in camp. Uh, we haven't really seen... In the preseason games, we haven't seen him flying all over the field like one certain player who I will mention at the end. And to note, he's only had like one or two show-out practices in camp. We haven't heard much from the beat media about Odin Igbo. It's always Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, this guy, that guy, Trent Harris, who, a.k.a. is that player I was just talking about flying all over the field. But he's been really disappointing. You know, he was supposed to be one of the top edge rushers in this group of edge rushers that we have, uh, young or old, who cares, but, you know, he was the main guy for the Vikings last year, and they decided either not to resign him, or he was released, or something like that, um, you know, we came into this group, and we're like, okay, well, he's gonna be one of the starters, really hasn't played like that. And he's on a one-year contract, which means the Giants could actually cut him at the end of the preseason if he does not show up in this game. That's my opinion, at least. But uh, he did have a nice day on the 25th, which was Wednesday. Um, but that being said, Darnie Holmes was attacked a bunch in the slot. This is hint, hint. I keep giving too many hints here. Um, this is going to be something to watch for Sunday. But if he's not getting any better... He, you know, it doesn't help for the fact that he doesn't really have any real competition. In my opinion, it's slot corner because the only guy you can make a case for is Julian Love. That's about it. And he's been okay as a cornerback overall for the New York Giants ever since being drafted. And then you got Aaron Robinson, who's on PUP. He's slowly working his way back. 
but he's on PUP. He would have been the real competition. Now, obviously, in college, Robinson had a huge um, weakness, which was holding. But I think the tennis ball drill and the oven mitt drill would have probably fixed that. But Darnay Holmes, seeing him struggle like this isn't necessarily the greatest to hear about. And maybe the Giants put Julian Love in the slot. Maybe they put him on the outside. Who knows? But uh, I really want to see improvement from Darnay Holmes this season. I know last year, oh, well, you know, he didn't give up a touchdown and this many snaps and allowing this many targets. Yeah, those are impressive, but he... Had some holding penalties last year. He had some uh, beat snaps where he's getting beat off of the snap in the slot. He had some woes. Every rookie does, but I want to see him improve. And I think this coaching staff is definitely putting him in a position to improve. I'm not saying they're setting him up to fail like James Betcher. Uh, with that being said, Saquon Barkley did not attend practice due to personal issues. Obviously, that's okay. Everybody has their personal issues on occasion, you know, whether it's family, this, that, the other thing. Uh, really wasn't big due to the fact that, you know, he would come back to practice the next day and do some drills, stay out of some drills, whatever. The biggest takeaway is the fact that Adoree Jackson got injured. That's not good. Darius Slayton got injured, apparently, according to Jordan Ronan, but we really haven't heard anything, or at least I haven't. We haven't heard anything in regards to his injury. I don't even know what the injury is, but Adoree Jackson uh, sprained his ankle. He was taken off in a cart, which obviously, to Giants fans, does not mean any good, considering the fact that Saquon was carted off, OBJ was carted off a couple of years ago. Um, but thank God it's only a sprained ankle. But obviously, this prompts questions for Sunday, and I'm going to leave it at that because I've been giving way too many hints in terms of, you know, uh, players who need to show out and what to keep an eye on, that stuff. So we go to the 26th, and the Giants really had a better practice than they did on Wednesday. You know, the Patriots definitely won the first practice because of Mac Jones uh, completing about maybe 70% of his passes or whatever. I don't know the stat, but he was completing a lot of passes. The Giants' secondary looked very lost. They were getting torched. Darnay Holmes, obviously, not having a great day. They almost got an interception, but Xavier McKinney dropped the ball, so nothing to do about that. Also, as well, uh, I think McKinney was actually struggling against uh, the deep ball and the 50-50 ball. I think it was tight ends he was struggling against. So, obviously, you know, we've known in the past couple of years that tight ends can give the New York Giants a problem. And if we don't put somebody to cover tight ends, well, it's not going to be a good thing for the New York Giants this upcoming season. So, obviously, one of the biggest takeaways for the 26th is that Saquon was back with a red no-contact jersey. He took eight snaps, four of them in 11-on-11 drills. Uh, he had an angle route reception that could have been a big gain. I think he had another one that could have been a touchdown, but obviously no contact because he was wearing the red jersey. Uh, David Sills was on the field for third and 11 personnel, obviously more wide receivers. Uh, Sills is trying to work his way out of the roster, which is totally fine. Uh, touchdown catch for Eli Penny. He's been getting some receiving reps and some running reps in the preseason, so I really don't have a problem with that. Mac Jones engineered a drive that lasted 21 plays. I thought that it was actually Wednesday, so it was my bad. It was actually Thursday that he had that big 21-yard play drive um, that was obviously overreacted by one of the beat reporters. He thought it was 35, but it was actually 21. I don't know how you get that confused. But engineered a drive that lasted 21 plays ends on a toe-tap touchdown by Kendrick Bourne, Sam Bielen coverage. And that is a thing the Giants may struggle with. I don't know what it is most of these years with the corner two not being a secure spot for the Giants. And it's going to be tough, really. We'll talk about that towards the end, though. I'm not going to get too much into it. So Mac Jones runs a 20-play series against the Giants. Logan Ryan comes down with an interception. Radarius Williams, Sam Beal, who had two, and Xavier McKinney all with pass deflections. Lorenzo Carter, Jabril Peppers, 
and Efedi Odenigbo with unofficial sacks. Um, I don't think they blew the play dead, so obviously that's why the series ran that long, and if it did run that long and they sacked the quarterback, that's really bad for the Giants' defense. James Bradbury did have a pass breakup, and Julian Love was in the slot after a Darnay Holmes holding penalty. So that's what I was talking about with, you know, if Darnay Holmes is struggling, where's Julian Love going to play? What's his role in this team with a good three-safety duo of Ryan McKinney and Jabril Peppers? Ted Larson spotted at the first-team left guard. Nate Solder takes left tackle reps. Once again, we talked about Solder with the first practice. You know, he's doing really well, uh, really crushing the haters, quote-quote, with his play. And we need to see more because, obviously, you know, he needs to play in game time. It's not just, oh, joint practices. But he's been really impressive so far. Ted Larson obviously spotted at the left guard position for the first team. He probably will split reps with Kenny Wiggins. So we'll see who wins that battle. Is it going to be Wiggins or Larson? And then when Shane Lemieux comes back, they're going to turn into a veteran backup offensive guard. It's not going to be, well, you know, Ted Larson or Kenny Wiggins is going to take Lemieux's spot. That's not happening with this coaching staff. I can tell you that right now. Um... According to Tom Rock, now I don't know if he was joking or not, it doesn't seem joking, but the Pats made it uncomfortable for rookie QB Mac Jones by blasting music, obviously uh, that's what most teams do at practices, and even landing a helicopter on the field next to him. Not sure if the last part was by design, but it was certainly a distraction. If that is true, that is some sick shit. I mean... Listen, obviously distractions are, you know, distracting for a lack of better words and they bother you and stuff like that, especially when you're a rookie QB or you're a football player or whatever. Blasting music is one thing. Landing a helicopter on the next field over, that is some sick shit. Uh, Bill Belichick probably was in charge of that. He's a sick shit man uh, with a very smart mind. Obviously, we know that from the past 20 plus years he's been coaching. For the, New England, for the New England Patriots. Um, also after that, the Giants allowed three sacks in a row. Jesus Christ. Ending off with a 40-50 to 50 yard pass to Dante Pettis. McCourty blindside blitz sack. Josh Uchey beat Thomas off the edge. Matt Parrott was beat off the edge, I believe, by Uchey. And Matt Parrott also got a holding penalty on the Uchey sack. So not good in that aspect. Not very good for the Giants. Uh, Thomas, it seems like it was one play, but this has been really repetitive with Matt Parr. And going into a year where we really need to see something out of this offensive line, Matt Parr, and I said this a couple of months ago. Now, people thought I was a little bit crazy. I said that, hey, Matt Parr may have a sophomore slump, and he may start off a little weak because you look at the last really two to three games he played especially that Ravens game. He didn't do so well. He allowed, I think, two to three sacks in a row. And obviously that showcased his weakness. And what has he been doing in camp? He's been struggling a little bit. He obviously gave up a sack in week one against the Jets, specifically to Bryce Huff. So once again, this is something to watch out for. And if they don't feel that he's playing well, they're going to put Nate Solder or somebody else at right tackle. Hopefully, pray to God it's not Chad Slade because he's worse. And Slade is a journeyman parrot you could actually put your time into because he was drafted by this coaching staff, regime, whatever you want to call it. Um, Radarius Williams and Gary Brightwell walked off with the trainer, but it was dehydration-related, so it wasn't injuries, it wasn't something major. It was dehydration because it was hot as hell in Foxborough. Um, and then Dante Pettis flashed. I obviously talked about that 40- to 50-yard pass play. Is it too late, though? I want to say yes as an early hint to my 53-man roster predictions, which should be coming up very shortly on the channel. Um, But in terms of Pettis flashing, yeah, great. But this is, at this point, you're showcasing yourself for other teams across the league, not the Giants, because uh, you ran out of practice squad eligibility. You're over three years in the league. And also, you've been mainly silent in this wide receiver competition that you needed to work your way up. And we got special teams, guys. We got kick returners. So, uh, 
Pettis, in my opinion, does not have a role on this team in 2021. That could change, and I could be wrong. I'll be happy to be wrong, as I always am in terms of some of these subjects. So real quickly, here's some news. Aaron Robinson is working his way back from the physically unable to perform list. Friday, he was seen running 40 yards and back on the field. So obviously, that's something encouraging. Um, hopefully, he comes off soon. I don't know you know, what his situation is going to be next week, but I still want to think that he's going to start the season on the PUP list or IR because if he's doing this now and obviously no practice Saturday and the game's on Sunday, that's a limited amount of time. So, you know, I hope he can just jump on the roster right away, but I don't know if the Giants want to go out there I'm not saying waste a spot, but the spot's going to be used by a guy who's not playing. Same could be said for John Ross, Ellerson Smith, and some of the other guys. Um, And also, Saquon Barkley and Kyle Rudolph will not play against the New England Patriots. That is kind of, you know, no news already because Rudolph came off the PUP list either on Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Wednesday. And then Saquon Barkley obviously had... Uh, a lot more participation in Thursday's practice, but once again, he's not ready for game action. But sometime before week one, they'll probably get him some hits at the running back position. All right, so jumping into the final set of topics, the final three set of topics, really, um, or maybe four set of topics, who knows. But this topic is the players to look out for. I have a lot, so be uh, prepared for it. This, obviously, is going to be mostly, if not all, starters. Daniel Jones. What are we going to see out of him? This is going to be very interesting. This is going to be a big season for Daniel Jones. He's getting game action, so with him getting hit now, with him being under more pressure, because obviously there's no blowing whistles dead or this, that, and the other thing, um, is his pocket awareness going to be better even though it's going to be one half, really one game, um, is he going to be better in that aspect? Is he going to be turning over the ball? You know, all just small snippets of what could be in the regular season. So I'm really hyped to see Daniel Jones, whether it's on a good basis, a bad basis, it's football, and you actually get to see some of your starters play and what they might be like coming into the season. Uh, James Bradbury, Obviously, it's going to be very interesting who starts next to him, hint, hint. Uh, But I do want to see him at the level he was last year, even though it's very hard to replicate that. You know, James Bradbury obviously is the number one quarter on this team. And, you know, I just want to see him play well against these wide receivers that the Patriots have. And I'm going to be honest here, in my opinion, I don't think they're anything to talk about. Maybe like one guy, but their offense, in my opinion, is mostly geared to set on the two tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Uh, Matt Parrott, I really want to see him because uh, obviously he's been struggling in camp a little bit and joint practices, gave up that sack in week one against the Jets. I want to see how he fares against these Patriots edge rushers. Obviously, he didn't face a lot of starters in week one against the Jets. It was mostly Bryce Huff and some of these other guys. But you're going to be facing Chase Winovich, Josh Uchey, um, Matt Judon from the Ravens. You're going to be facing real edge rushers. So will he fare well? Will he not fare well? We'll see what happens, and that will help decide who the starting right tackle is, in my opinion, in week one. Nate Solder, the same thing. How does he look in game action? Where is he going to start? How is he going to look against edge rushers like Ushay, Judon, and Winovich? How is he going to look facing his former team? It's going to be really interesting. Maybe Bill Belichick is going to formalize something, and he knows Solder's weaknesses, so he's going to you know, do something, obviously, to make Solder look bad or look worse than he is. But I really want to see Solder do well. I'm not rooting against him. I don't root against anybody on this team. But I want to see how he fares in game action for the first time since December 30th or 29th in 2019. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the next guy, Sterling Shepard, he needs to stay on the field for a full season in order to remain with this team and also to know, you know, I want him to get some receptions and some targets by Daniel Jones because I think he is one of the best wide receivers on this team, one of the best red zone targets. I think going back to, what was it, Uh, last year, he was one of the most targeted in the red zone for the Giants by Daniel Jones, if not 
Uh, I'm wrong on that, but once again, he is a solid receiver for the Giants. It's just whether he stays healthy, and I want to get a snippet of him in this preseason game. Maybe they do hold him out due to injury, but we'll see what happens. The next guy, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, I'll do those two together. Obviously, Leonard Williams had a big season last year, and uh, Dexter Lawrence, well, he improved from his rookie year. You know, obviously, with this Gettleman draft class thing we've been talking about, you know, sophomore slumps, he's one of those guys that really didn't, you know, endure a sophomore slump. He got more sacks, improved at stuff that he really didn't do well in his first season. So I want to see what he does well, what he doesn't do well in the first preseason game alongside Leonard Williams, Danny Shelton, some of the other guys on the defensive line. So that's going to be interesting to see. The next guy, Lorenzo Carter, coming off of a torn Achilles from last year, obviously has been a big story in camp with rushing the passer in these joint practices, you know, not blowing the play dead. Now he's able to hit the quarterback. Now he's able to properly pressure them. Now can he do it? I hope he can. Blake Martinez obviously had a great season last year as one of the starting linebackers, the primary starting inside linebacker. I want to see what he does in this run game because one of the things the Giants struggled in last game was uh, you know, setting the edge. That's not going to be something really that Blake Martinez does. But what does Blake Martinez do well? He tackles and he's good in the run game. The Giants really haven't been good in the run game going back to last week. They didn't set the edge. They didn't really have a lot of great tackling. So hopefully he does that better in the first half uh, than some of the other guys did the whole game last week. So that's something I'm looking forward to. The safety guys, Julian Love, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, and Drew Peppers. I want to see how they play. I want to see if Xavier McKinney goes into coverage. I want to see if he's improved from his rookie year. Uh, obviously, Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan, I want to see if they play well. Not too many takeaways for them. Julian Love is more of an extensive talk about because I want to see, A, if he's playing safety, and he has been in the first two preseason games getting a lot of tackles, and I want to see if he actually moves up to corner because, obviously, it's going to be a big question. Who starts opposite James Bradbury? Now, last year when they benched Yadam for Julian Love in Week 17, Love played okay. I'm not going to say he played like the greatest cornerback of all time, but he did play fairly well. But also you have to factor in, it was probably a lot of zone or the fact that uh, Andy Dalton missed a couple of guys on throws and stuff like that. But also, other than the outside spot with Adoree Jackson being injured, also you have the slot spot. Do they fit him in there or a couple of snaps? Maybe Darnay Holmes struggles, which is another guy I want to see perform in this game I want to see him perform well does Darnay Holmes struggle and they put Julian Love in there it's going to be fierce competition for Darnay Holmes you know as I mentioned Aaron Robinson he's on the PUP list he may start the season on there so Julian Love you know will he push Darnay Holmes to get better by putting him in a fierce competition for the slot spot the last guy on this list is Trent Harris. He's been flying all over the field. Sure, the stats don't really say, well, Trent Harris has been doing really well. Maybe the analytics don't say it or something like that. But the eye test, he's been setting the edge in the run game, rushing the passer in the passing game in the first two games, and he's just been doing well than some of the other linebackers. I mean, O'Shane Zimenez, sorry, but he's one-dimensional. Afedio Denigbo hasn't shown up. Nico Lalos has been meh. Some of the other linebackers have not performed. But Trent Harris, I want to see him play like he's been playing this preseason, and it's going to be mostly against starters. You know, week one, you played a little bit of starters. Uh, week two, you didn't play the starters because the Browns didn't play their starters, obviously. But here, you're going to be facing a potentially top-tier offensive line, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Michael Anwenu, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the guy out of Michigan, David Andrews. Uh, I forget their right tackle's name, but I'll probably remember it at some point. But I want to see Trent Harris really show out against his former team. Now the players who need to absolutely show out. And this is not showing out in terms of, you know, all the starters. The players who need to show out in order to make a roster spot, in my opinion. Number one's got to be Sam Beal. He's been taking some reps at the opposite position of James Bradbury at opposite cornerback and he's been meh you know some plays good some plays bad and he's gotten like nine lives 
on this team for the past couple years injuries opting out this that the other thing not being too great in terms of the slot and on the outside he needs to show out and my potential feeling i don't know if i'm going to certify this for my roster predictions yet but they may keep an extra guy because maybe a dory jackson isn't ready week one maybe they keep a guy like madre harper or sam beal on the roster to play opposite james bradbury now unfortunately isaac yadam was traded and josh jackson looks like an absolute trade bust right now let's just you know be blunt and real about it so maybe they say okay well sam beal he's played in a couple of games he's played in six games as a starting outside opposite corner maybe he can fill in for one to two weeks, Adoree Jackson comes back and he's fine. Maybe they do that with Darius Williams, but my concern here is Sam Beal. How does he play? Gary Brightwell. Now, obviously, the Giants drafted him mainly to be a special teams guy, but also a backup running back. Really hasn't shown me much. Three carries, seven yards in the Browns game, three receptions, 12 yards in the Browns game. And once again, I mentioned that thing about, well, he wasn't really running back to the huddle, or it's not really a huddle because it was no huddles offense, but he wasn't running back to the offensive side of the ball, and that cost the clock. Once again, I really didn't see anything out of him in Week 2 against the Cleveland Browns. Sorry, that's just my opinion. I want to see him do well. I want to see him do better. Because these type of players, and obviously I'll kind of go out of order from the way I listed it, because this player is at the same position. And let's go to it now. Sandro Platzgummer, uh, four carries and 51 yards against the Jets, did not play against the Cleveland Browns. These two guys obviously are competing for a roster spot, maybe a practice squad spot, because they are both eligible. But you need to force the team to keep four running backs. Obviously, with the way the Giants do things, they are probably keeping a fullback being Eli Penny. Now, you could pencil in Saquon Barkley. You can pencil in Devontae Booker. Clement is teeter-tottering, but he's probably going to make the roster. So you need to force the Giants. Speaking in the perspective of Platzgummer and Brightwell, you need to force the Giants to keep a fourth running back. Whether it's special teams, whether it's an ability that the other running backs don't have, they need to force the Giants to keep more than three running backs. The next guy, Alex Bachman, really hasn't shown me much in camp. I mean, camp he's had some plays but in the preseason games he hasn't shown much five targets one reception for six yards not much at all sorry and he was going to be one of the hyped guys coming in here last year he had a good camp but uh you know he just hasn't shown me much cornerback madre harper mentioned this earlier with sam beal with adory jackson being out could he possibly i'm saying this for situational purposes could he possibly be a special teams guy and also be the opposite corner, James Bradbury? He spent a little time there last year against the Eagles the first time. He did okay. He didn't really do that well. But in that situation, can he provide a little bit more of an ability to stay on this roster? Like the running back position, could he force them to keep an extra cornerback because of Adoree Jackson being injured and because Madre Harper has special teams abilities and because Madre Harper has a special teams skill set we'll see what happens the next guy Afedio Denigbo other than a little bit of the Browns game really has not shown much in camp other than the second or first joint practice I think it was the first joint practice with the Patriots really hasn't shown much really disappointing Trent Harris has outplayed him by a lot setting the edge doing a lot of the other things that the linebackers haven't done uh, forcing pressure on the quarterback. Now is your time to shine. There's a lot of guys on this roster that will probably not make it in terms of the linebacker room. And Afedio Nenigbo, we were expecting him. Oh, the veteran, you know, he's going to make the roster. It doesn't look like that right now. Two tackles, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit. We, I said before, you know, stats don't tell the whole story. The eye test also tells the story as well. But you definitely see that Trent Harris is outplaying Odenigbo. It's a disappointment, really. And I know it's just a one-year contract, but he has the actual chance of being cut at the end of the preseason. Sorry, that's the way it is. The last player, defensive tackle, David Moa, two forced fumbles and six tackles. Once again, this is another guy that, you know, on the stat sheet probably doesn't say much about, but he's forced two fumbles, which is key. Um, And that 
week one game against the Jets, there was a bad give off to the running back. I think it was uh, LaMichael Perrine, Michael Carter, one of the other guys in the backfield, maybe Ty Johnson. I don't know who it was, but you know, there was a bad handoff or bad flip to the running back. After that, Moa forces a fumble, but it's not recovered by the Giants. It's recovered by the Jets. Then, in the second preseason game, Loletta, big 32-yard run down the field, slaps it out of his hand. I think it's recovered by the Browns, and it's the end of the half. Browns recover, but that's still, you know, that's a ball-hungry guy. And that's what the Giants need. If he's good in the run game, if he's a decent pass rusher, if he's a good depth guy, because that's what the Giants need. They need depth at the defensive line position. If he's good in those two categories, or at least decent enough to make a depth spot on the roster, well, good for him. He makes a roster. I didn't even know who the hell this guy was before camp. Now I know a lot about him. So, the next subject, players to look out for on the New England side. These are obviously some you know, players that I thought of, and obviously some players that have been doing well in the preseason. Obviously, Mac Jones is on that list. 26 for 38 this preseason, 233 yards, three rushes, and three yards. Has not had his first passing touchdown yet in game action. Obviously, in camp and joint practices, yes. But he's going to be eager to get his first unofficial touchdown pass. Because there's always that chance that Cam Newton plays in week one as the Patriots starting quarterback there's always that chance so Mac Jones maybe he gets his first passing touchdown he's going to be eager for it because he's probably thinking in his head well maybe I don't start week one I want to at least get the feeling of a touchdown pass so Giants cornerbacks Giants defense get ready for that uh the next guy Ramondre Stevenson I barely knew who this guy was coming into training camp, coming into whatever, the preseason. He's really shown out for the Patriots. He's a guy I've been watching on the outside, not a Giants perspective, but on the outside as an NFL fan. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I think he was selected in the fourth round at Oklahoma. 25 carries, 193 yards, four touchdowns, and 7.72 yards per carry. Had a big touchdown run that was like, Almost 90 yards, if so, above 90 yards against the football team. Had two touchdowns, I think, against the uh, the Eagles when they crushed them 35 to nothing. He's been a really impressive player for them. He obviously impressed them so much that they traded Sony Michelle, their 2018 first or second round pick, something like that. But uh, he was traded. He's now with the Rams. Stevenson now has a shot to make the roster with Bill Belichick who is very hard to impress. Uh, the next guy, Cam Newton, obviously didn't practice much this week with all the COVID situations. He is 12 for 16 this preseason, 152 yards and a touchdown, waiting to see what comes out of him, uh, You know how he deals with the pressure. Can he keep up his play enough that he impresses Belichick and Belichick makes him the starting quarterback we won? We'll see what happens. The next guy, J.J. Taylor. Last year, I think he came out of Arizona, so he probably knows Gary Brightwell. 17 carries, 103 yards, a touchdown, 8 catches, and 51 yards. Obviously, he's good on both sides of the ball. Another thing the Giants need to watch in terms of the running game, both Stevenson and J.J. Taylor. Hopefully, setting the edge is good. Hopefully, Trent Harris does that. Hopefully, Blake Martinez makes a bunch of tackles. Hopefully, Dexter Lawrence gets through the middle, penetrates, and makes some tackles in the backfield. The next guy. Uh, there's another defensive end on this list, Josh Uche. Um, he's, I think, last year the rookie out of Michigan, so he's in his second year, was forcing a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones in camp. In the joint practice, I mean, Matt Parrott was struggling against him. Andrew Thomas was struggling against him uh, in a couple of snaps. Not too much to take about it, but I want to see what the offensive tackles do against him. I want to see what Josh Uche does against the offensive tackles better yet. And I want to see if his hype is for real. If, you know, what he puts on the practice field actually translates into the game. Uh, the next guy, Chase Winovich. A lot of people have said that the Patriots want to trade this guy. I honestly don't understand why he's got some special teams attributes. Uh, with that being said, he's had five and a half sacks his first two seasons in each of those first two seasons uh, so far. This preseason, he played mostly in the second game, two sacks and five tackles. So, obviously, that's very impressive no matter what offensive line you go against. The next guy, 
the rookie out of Alabama, Christian Barmore, one tackle. Obviously, you're not going to see many stats that uh, push to Barmore's hype. Maybe PFF will come out with something. I don't know. I don't care about PFF. But I want to see how Barmore does against the interior O-line of the Giants. I want to see how the interior O-line of the Giants faces up against Christian Barmore. Michael Onwenu, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the second-year man out of Michigan, Filled a huge void for them last year when I think they had uh, Shaq Mason or some of the other guards out. Filled a huge void. I think he plays tackle and guard. Was one of the best rookies last year coming out of that class. Played like it. And I want to see what he does against this Giants D-line. I want to see how the Giants D-line goes against him. The final guy that I want to keep an eye on. And he played mostly the first game, not really the second game. Matt Judon, the free agent signing from the Baltimore Ravens. So far... In preseason, he's had one tackle and one quarterback hit going against the uh, the Washington football team. Does he do that against the Giants? Does he dominate Matt Parrott? Does he dominate Andrew Thomas? Does he dominate Nate Solder? We'll see what happens. I don't know what reports are coming out about him in camp, but it's going to be something to see in this preseason game, definitely. So... The last topic of the podcast episode, what to look for. Five on the offense, five on the defense. How does Daniel Jones perform? Does he turn over the ball? Does he fumble the ball? Does he throw a lot of deep balls? Does he throw short passes? How does he do with some new offensive weapons? I should kind of retract that a little bit because Kenny Galladay, John Ross, and Kadarius Toney are not playing. But how does he do? Do we get the Jan- do we get the Daniel Jones that we did last year with some turnovers, short passes and stuff like that or do we get the Daniel Jones of his rookie year on the positive side throwing touchdowns, stuff like that, doing whatever and succeeding. We'll see what happens. Once again, it could be a snippet of what we see in the regular season. The next uh one, which offensive weapons play? Darius Slayton, I mentioned he was injured in Wednesday's practice, I don't know what the story is with him. Hopefully, he does play. Sterling Shepard, does he play as well? Um, he's been injury-prone the last couple of years. Has not played a full season since, I think, 2018. So, obviously, that is very troubling for him. Um, but I do want to see him play. And if he doesn't play, well, you save him for Week 1 against the Denver Broncos. How will this O-line handle one half of starters to the bare minimum? Patriots are playing their starters, definitely. A lot of teams across the league, and I thought this was a surprise to me, um, a lot of teams across the league are actually playing their quarterbacks in Week 3. Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, um, Baker Mayfield, those guys and the starters are playing in Week 3, like the old Week 3, the dress rehearsal for Week 4. There is no Week 4 because they got rid of one of the preseason games. But how does this O-line handle that? Do they struggle at first? And then... You know, start getting better towards the end of the half, the end of the tenure. Do they struggle the whole time? Do they succeed the whole time? I don't know. But that's definitely something to look forward to. Uh, Who will see more time and play better, Nate Solder or Matt Parrott? Obviously, a big question in terms of the right tackle position. Parrott struggling a little bit in camp within the joint practices that were this week and last week. Uh, Does he actually struggle in game time? Is that all for just words and not for action, meaning that, well, he struggles in camp and then actually does well in the preseason games. He's facing real rushers this time. Josh Uchey, Matt Judon, Chase Winovich, some of the other guys on that defensive line. So it's going to be for real this time. Sure, it's a preseason game. It doesn't count, but it counts towards what could happen in week one. Same thing with Nate Solder. Want to see him in game time. Want to see how he does against real rushers. Obviously, he did good in one-on-ones and 11v11s, but once again, it's game time that counts, not just practice. And who lines up next to Andrew Thomas for the most part? Is it going to be Ted Larson? Is it going to be Kenny Wiggins? Who's going to get more of the snaps? Who's going to play better? Uh, I honestly, I'm not rooting for anyone at this point. I'm obviously rooting for success for everybody on this team. But Kenny Wiggins, he struggled in week one. Larson struggled a little bit in week two. So obviously that connection between Thomas and... And the left guard needs to be there for the Giants to have a successful offensive game, even though, once again, it is the preseason. Defense. Here's five. Who plays opposite of James Bradbury? Big question. Is it going to be Julian Love, Madre Harper, Darius Williams, Sam Beal, 
which one of those corners plays. And obviously, once again, these wide receivers, in my opinion, are nothing too much to talk about. I think they're secondary wide receivers. You got guys like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, um, some of the other guys on this roster, not really big name wide receivers. Um, but in terms of that, you know, how do they do against those receivers? You know, they're first team receivers for a reason. So obviously they're impressing Belichick and maybe they're decoys, maybe they're not decoys. But my point is, is that who plays against Bradbury? But my point is, is who plays opposite Bradbury and how do they do? And maybe they earn a spot for week one or maybe they earn a spot on the roster in general. Sam Beal, Madre Harper, Radarius Williams, whoever it may be. And maybe Julian Love once again plays opposite James Bradbury for a little bit. Who knows? Uh, who starts opposite Blake Martinez? Tay Crowder's been hurt, from what I heard, so it's probably going to be Reggie Ragland. Apparently, he's been doing well in camp. A lot of people think that he hasn't been doing well in the games, especially PFF, but once again, PFF, you know, I really don't rely on them uh, because I think they're biased. Once again, that's another video. That's another episode, whatever. Um, so it's probably going to be Ragland, but maybe they put Carter Coughlin in there for some snaps. Maybe they put Ryan Anderson or Devontae Downs in there for some snaps. We'll see what happens. Who starts opposite Lorenzo Carter? Is it going to be Aziz Ojolari? Possibly not because he, his workload was managed on Wednesday. Maybe he gets better, or maybe he got better, I should say, down the stretch of the week, and maybe he does play on Sunday. But in my opinion, it could definitely be O'Shane Zimenez. How does the D-line linebacker core try to replicate Dalvin Tomlinson's production? You're facing a heavy running game this week. Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor, Blake Martinez has to show what he did last year. Trent Harris has to show what he did in the first two weeks in terms of setting the edge. It has to be a good week for the Giants on the defensive side. Because uh, in week one, it's not just going to be the receiving game with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a game manager. And... If we're seeing a glimpse of what we could see in the regular season, Javante Williams and I think Melvin Gordon is still in the Broncos. That running game could possibly be good if the offensive line is good. Obviously, Cam Fleming uh, is competing for the right tackle spot on the Broncos. That is another discussion. That is another story. But this defense, this defensive line, the front seven really has to play well against the run. If they don't, well, we're shit out of luck for right now at least. Uh, the last one, the final one. Will the Giants look like the first or the second day of the joint practices versus New England? Will they look like the first day, which was getting torn up on defense, getting intercepted by the Patriots' defensive backs? Or is it the second day where they force pressure on Mac Jones, where they get the ball moving down the field with some offensive struggles? We'll see. It's either one or the other. There could be a middle somewhere. Where it's bare bottom or top top. We'll see what happens. But that pretty much clears it for this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, guys. If you haven't already liked, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, that's where you could find this podcast on. More content coming out throughout the week. Follow the Twitter and Instagram at Big Blue in the Bronx. Obviously, subscribe to the channel, as I just mentioned. Boys in the Big Apple. Uh, podcast 8 10 p.m eastern standard time on youtube mondays and more content coming out throughout the week so uh guys peace out see you later and most of all go giants